the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series on the Spirit-Filled Life with a look at Spirit-Filled Worship. You know, all over the world, worship is practiced in many different ways by many different cultures. But what is the point of worship? Jesus described a life of worship that is unique, powerful, and transcendent of culture and time. Pastor Sean's going to show you how you can live a spirit-filled life that will transform how you worship. So put a marker in John chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 4. It's time for Radio for Real Life. Good. We're going to continue this series that we've been in called The Spirit-Filled Life. And uh, we started this whole thing talking about how this is the essence of our salvation. It's what we were saved for. And yet so often in the context of the church, we minimize or marginalize the life of the spirit. We began with the conversation with this idea. Our greatest failure is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's lots of opinions about what's wrong with the church or why is the church losing its influence? And if so, why? And all these things swirling around. And to be honest with you, I think most of those miss the mark. I believe the bottom line is our greatest failure is the failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because that is the very nature of the follower of Christ. Last week, we looked at how the spirit-filled life is a life of spirit-filled prayer. We talked about partnering with the Spirit in prayer. I hope your prayer life maybe has seen some difference as you've partnered. Because the Scripture tells us that, you know, often we don't know how to pray. It says, but the Spirit intercedes for us. And so there's this idea of the Spirit of God within us partnering with us in prayer, being this relational activity. Well, today, I want us to kind of continue along that idea. But just ask the question, how does the Spirit-filled life impact our worship? We all have opinions about worship. I mean, there's lots of things that happen in the context of worship. We understand worship is a big kind of idea. It's very personal. But yet it's also something that we interact with congregationally a lot. And we all have ideas. There's lots of conflict in churches over worship, which is kind of silly because worship should be something that draws us together. But yet one of the biggest points of conflict in churches is over worship. Have you ever experienced any conflict or discord or disunity over worship in a church? I went on staff at a church, I'm uh, actually my first ministry assignment at a church in California, and it was kind of funny, um, there was this guy who was an organist, okay, and he was a terrible organist, but his dad had kind of built the church, so you know how that goes. I mean, he was a guy who literally said one time, uh, was told by the music director, well, the song we're playing is in D flat. Well, I don't know D flat, so I just played it in D because it's close, If you're a musician, you know, that's just the most horrible thing that's ever happened, okay? It's like, no, that's not jazz, that's just wrong. 
That's some funny musician humor going out there, and you guys are just missing that. It's going right over your heads. Wow. So what got really weird about the thing, and the music minister was kind of had his hands tied because he couldn't get support to actually ask this guy gracefully that, you know, there might be a better ministry for you, okay, than actually playing the organ. So what he did, he turned down the organ speaker right behind the guy because uh, this was, a, this was a, a Hammond uh, organ and it had a big Leslie speaker on one side of the sanctuary and a big Leslie speaker on the other one right behind him. So the one right behind him, he turned it down but left it on. The other one he unplugged. And you know, it's, you know when, in, the, in the absence of being able to fix a problem, minimize the damage, you know? It was passive aggressive, but I think it was all he could do, right? So, but what, what the problem was there was this older guy in the congregation who sat over on that side and he knew it was on. So he would go and keep plugging this thing back in. So nobody's ever saying a word, but the music minister goes, unplugs it. The old guy comes, plugs it back in. <laughs> Unplug. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh. And that was one of the more moderate, that same church at one of our services, just because, you know, whoever wanted to play could play. There were two bass players. I mean, two electric players sitting next to each other, neither had practice. So there was a lot of work that poor music minister had to do. But it was kind of hands off because it's worship and the style of worship and the way we worship. You know, we hear about church fights over uh, the color of the carpet. I think there's a lot more church fights over worship. And what that says is we absolutely have no idea about the heart of worship. Don't even know what to do in worship sometimes. And different people do different things, and I think that's okay. But in the context of that, you have to kind of go, okay, well, what are the, what are, how, how do we do this, you know? So to answer that question, we've got the kids with us today. Kids, you know we would call on some experts, so we asked Kevin and Gerald to put together a video to show us, give us some guidelines in the context of worship. So why don't you take a look and learn? Hi, my name is Gerald. And I'm Kevin. We heard Pastor Sean's going to do a sermon today on worship, so we thought we'd put together a short video on what not to do in worship. Think of it as a worship 101. Yes, so pay close attention. All right, rule number one. If you're feeling really expressive and you want to raise your hands, you go ahead and do that. But make sure you're wearing deodorant. That's right, Kevin. Nobody wants to smell your stinky pits. No. Rule number two, never try to get a workout during the worship service. You may feel the need to move around and even dance. That's okay, but it is not time to do Zumba or CrossFit, my friends. Mm-mm, bad news. Good workout, bro. Good workout. Rule number three, remember this is not an episode of The Voice. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, but don't do it to impress those around you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Woo, yeah, <laughs> all right. Rule number four, we all worship in our own way. So don't judge people if they don't stand or raise their hands like you do. Don't worry, I put, I put deodorant on. Oh, good. You call me out. Oh, Stand up, stand up. No, no, it's fine. No, no, raise your hands like this. No, no, it's okay. No, raise your hands. There we go. Now sway. Sway. Yeah, there we go. Much better. Number five. This is a chance for you to engage with God. It is not time for you to hone your skills as a music critic. Oh, no.
So there you have it. Those are our top five things not to do during worship. So tune in next time for more sound advice, words of wisdom, and life application from Kevin and Gerald. We'll see you next time. Bye. Those guys bat a thousand, don't they? <laughs> so that's what not to do in worship. And you know what's funny is as I, last night I realized, I didn't really think of how to go on and give an actual sermon after that. But they told us what not to do in the context of worship. And actually what's interesting, if you paid attention, there was some really good advice there. And we'll probably refer back to that as we talk the message. But turn to John chapter 4, because we want to look at what to do in worship. And in fact, what is this worship all about? There's a great conversation in John chapter 4. You probably, maybe if you've been around the church a while, you, you've heard stories or you've heard the story. It's Jesus in a conversation with a Samaritan woman, which was unusual. If you know the cultural context, he was a Jewish male. The Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, and she was a female. In fact, when he spoke to her, she was actually surprised. He says, Wait, whoa, how can you talk to me? You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. And so this conversation ensues. They talk about water because they're at a well. He asks for some water, and she's, he says, she, talk, she asks and makes this comment about, well, how can you even talk to me? And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me to give you a drink. Well, how, do you, can, how can you draw, and what are you talking about? And remember what he says. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I'm going to give him will never be thirsty again. And remember, he, we read this statement a few weeks ago. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And remember, we saw that he's talking about the Spirit. He's talking about an internal well of the Holy Spirit. Well, you remember the conversation goes to her lifestyle, her husband. And what Jesus really been doing was revealing the hunger of her heart. Because she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you've had five. And the man you're with now isn't your husband. And so exposing the very hunger and thirst of her heart and the well that she kept going to and never being satisfied in. And then she, some commentators and scholars believe she was trying to deflect from this kind of personal moment that Jesus brought up, says she goes to this idea of this controversy between the Jews and Samaritans. Well, you Jews say the place to worship is the temple. We Samaritans say we should worship here on the mountain. And Jesus says to them in verse 22, this is John 4, 22. Take a look at it. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, he says, and this is so important, listen to these words as we get ready to talk about worship. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Lord, I pray that you would give us insight into your word, and I pray that we would be people who would worship you spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Spirit-Filled Worship. It's in a series called Spirit-Filled Life, as found on the sermon page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you abundant life, real life. 
I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. Now back to the message, Spirit-Filled Worship. This is Radio for Real Life. It's such a brief phrase, but there is so much powerful truth unpacked in that. Now, we've been talking about the Spirit. We've been talking about God's presence resident in us. So when Jesus says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and that's what God is seeking, those to worship in spirit and truth. I want to suggest that he is giving us much more than just a little phrase to remember. He's giving us the very nature and the very purpose of worship. I want you to think about that. The nature and the purpose of worship. The nature of worship is spirit. And I want you to jot that down if you're taking notes. The nature of worship is spirit. What that means is my spirit in relationship with his. It is relational and it is communal. It's ironic that we've turned worship into something that can be so liturgical, something so formal, something so much about rote and repetition. When what Jesus is saying, that's what the woman was talking about. She's talking about your tradition (coughs) is that you worship in Jerusalem at the temple. Our tradition is that we worship on the mountain. And how many of us have gotten hung up in our tradition when it comes to worship? Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit. That is the very nature of worship. It is a spiritual communion with the Father. That is fundamental to our, any conversation about worship, we have to understand that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about religious activity. We're not talking about the format of our service. We're not talking about the song service. We are talking about our spirit communing with God. That is the nature of worship because it is spirit. God is spirit. Our worship to him must be in spirit. And then he says spirit and truth. And I want to suggest the purpose of worship is truth. The nature is spirit, but the purpose is truth. And understand something. Truth is a whole lot more than facts. We understand facts, but truth is bigger than the facts. It is the greater reality of how things are. When we worship in spirit, it is relational, and we are connecting with the Father. When we worship in truth, we are acknowledging the reality of how things are. We are putting things back in order. A world that, we live in a world that's torn everything out of order. Tried to deny God, deny his will, deny his presence, deny him as creator. And that is a misalignment. And worship brings everything back the way it should be. Remember Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That is just empirically true. He was not creating a, de- a topic of debate. He wasn't saying, what do you all think of this? Here's a soundbite I'm working on, guys. Give me your opinions. He's stating the nature of how things are. Truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So in worship, we all of a sudden begin to 
recognize and come into connection and alignment with the truth. When I worship, I connect myself with his spirit, and I align myself with his truth. That's what worship does. My spirit fellowships with his spirit, and my life comes into alignment with his truth. See, that's what happens when we worship, whether personally, in the context of our heart alone, or when we're gathered together, we come into alignment with the reality of creation, and we fulfill our ultimate purpose. This is a foundation. What Jesus is giving us here is a foundational understanding to what worship is about. It is setting everything right. It is putting us in relationship with Father, Spirit, And it is bringing us into alignment with the truth of our creation, our universe, and the world around us. Spirit and truth. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the main point I want you to take away with you today. The power of spiritual worship is the power of alignment. The power of spiritual worship is the power of alignment. What it does is it brings things that are out of order, and it brings it all back into order in the way God intended. The power of spiritual worship is the power of alignment. And, and first thing we have to understand in what Jesus said and in what we've been talking about here is that worship is not about me. And it's not about you. It's all about him. Our biggest problem in all these church conflicts, and the great irony is that we have these conflicts over worship. What we're saying is we don't understand worship because it's about me. When we sit and whine about our, our preferences, yeah, I don't like that song. I hate that song. I don't like the way that young guy does it. I like the way the old guy does it. Or I hate the way the old guy does it. He's old. It's the young guy. I like that. Have you ever gotten, and you know, that's what Gerald and Kevin are talking about with the scorecards. Oh, but I like when this worship leader leads. I'm gonna, I'll find out when they're leading and then, then, then I'll come to church. That's messed up. But yet we do it. We treat it like it's some sort of variety show and, and we're going to see if we like the show and then we're going to be a part of that. That is broken. What that says is it's all about me. Worship is designed to please me, to make me feel. I, I want the style. I want the, the, the musical style. I want the, the songs I like. Oh, I like those songs. I don't like these songs. Oh, I hate this song. It, it, it's, not about, it's not about, wait a minute, is that a biblical reflection and expression of worship? Well, that's not the point. It's that I don't like it. And I wish that I could say that was an uncommon kind of conversation. It's not. And that's broken when we think worship, whether it be in my own personal life or in our congregational gathering, when I think worship is about me, I've missed the whole point of worship. But all these different conflicts about style, about songs, about whatever they are, miss the point. There's a great passage of scripture that talks about corporate worship in Ephesians chapter 5. And it begins with a passage that we hear a lot, but not in this context. But it's important that we understand that they're connected. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 18, Paul writes, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The problem is we focus on the do not be drunk with wine, which is certainly a biblical idea, biblical instruction. But you understand, he's using that as an illustration. We gotta get it. We've gotten it all into legalism, and you know I don't know how you grew up, but there, you know, the idea that that you know this is all about, and one of the big tenets of our faith is that we don't touch any alcohol. Well, of course, that's not biblical. We don't. We understand that's not a biblical idea. That's something that we put on to try to somehow have some distinction. And as we said before, the Bible has enough really important distinctions. We don't need to add on to them. But it does say, "Don't be drunk with wine." 
He says, for that is debauchery. It's brokenness, it's sin, it's wrong. But we, we forget why. The really important part of the scripture is why it's wrong. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what a powerful understanding that is about the Spirit? What do we call it when we're drunk? We are under the what? Under the influence. Now read that scripture. Don't be under the influence of wine, for that is debauchery, but be under the influence of the Spirit. That's the problem. And this is a statement about the Spirit, but notice where he goes right after that. So we think he's getting ready to talk to us about alcohol, and he's not. He's using that as a, actually an illustration, an example. Don't get drunk with wine, this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes and says this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Notice that worship is flowing out of the infilling. Notice the relationship of the Spirit participating in this idea of worship, preparing us and leading us in the context of worship. Worship is an act of the Spirit's infilling and an act of following in obedience to what the Scripture and the Spirit is leading us in. Philippians 3.3 says, We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. What does it mean to worship by the Spirit of God? In other words, His Spirit is going to, like with prayer, He's going to empower us and cause us to worship in a way that is in alignment with God's leadership. We who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's talking about spiritual languages, and we're going to talk about that actually in another one of our teachings, but what he said in verse 15 I think is significant. He says, what am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Listen to that. That's very significant. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Both are good, but they're different interesting idea. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. You mean there's two ways to sing praise? I can sing praise with my mind, which when I see the right work of songwriters, we sang a song this morning, that song right before communion. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to come, but you always do. That was, that was giving words to some things that I think about the Lord, and it was an opportunity for me to join in unity with the congregation and worship him for that aspect. And I'm, I'm worshiping with my mind. That's a wonderful thing. There are things where I think about God, and I think about his nature, and I worship him with my mind. But there's also this point of the Spirit taking me to a different place in worship. Those who worship, worship in spirit and truth. There's something more in the context of worship, folks, and we better get way past song services or orders of services or liturgies or traditions. And we better understand this is the defining issue of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Worship. The power of spirit-filled worship is the power of alignment, and it is spirit-filled. Worship is spirit-fueled. Worship is spirit-led. A few points and observations. Number one, spirit-filled worship aligns my heart to his heart. Spirit-filled worship aligns my heart to his heart. It has to be something that begins in the heart. One of the scariest things is when we find ourselves going through the motions in worship and worshiping in kind of through rote, and we find there's this duplicity in my heart. One part of me, I'm saying this, my lips, 
Another part, I'm actually over here with my heart. Jesus in Matthew 15 addresses some actually religious leaders who were guilty of that kind of duplicity. Beginning at verse 7, he says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, and he's quoting Isaiah, now this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, worship begins in the heart. Jesus said, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Everything flows from my heart. In worship, when I worship, what the Spirit does is he brings my heart into alignment with his heart. And whether this is privately with me and the Lord, just times of communion together, my heart is being brought into alignment with his heart. There's a heart issue at stake. Or when we're together in these corporate times, this isn't just the warm-up band for the pastor. And I've, I've seen people treat worship like that, and it, I, it's shocking. Well, I don't, you know, I'm not into singing songs and stuff, so I just come in. I'm, I know people who have come in kind of towards the end of worship, to, you know, because they feel like they're obligated to get the message, you know, otherwise, you know, I'll go to hell or something. They have no idea what's happening in worship. Worship is that part where my heart is aligned with his heart, where I engage with Father, not someone else doing it for me. The music, the band, the worship songs, the scriptures that we read, they are a backdrop to the work of the Spirit. And to the degree that we're sitting there and just kind of watching someone else and waiting kind of to, to get to the next element, we're absolutely missing what the Spirit wants to do in worship. Worship, Spirit-filled worship, aligns my heart to His heart. I just want to say, every time we gather together in this place, we give an opportunity to do some much-needed work. Thank you, Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. If you'd like to hear this full message called Spirit-Filled Worship, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on the Spirit-Filled Life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. The service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.